0: miss now. And we're going to get started. Uh, Please open your Bibles to John chapter 4 for one final week. John chapter 4 as we wrap up this chapter. And as you're turning, I first have just a few announcements to give on my own and then we'll move on to a summary of where we've been before we move forward. One announcement is Vacation Bible School. Believe it or not, we are still cleaning up from that. Um, and there's still quite a bit of baskets in the gym on the far wall. So if you brought in or you let us borrow a basket, please check the church the church gym on your way out today and just see if one of them in there is yours. And feel free to take it home. If you're just saying, well, one of those is mine, but I don't want to take it home, please let us know so we at least know we can find a place for it. Uh, secondly, please keep... The Babbitts in prayer as they're on their way home from vacation and traveling. And then also keep Greg and Belinda in prayer. They're here back there somewhere today. Um, Keep Greg and Belinda in prayer as they are leaving for Pennsylvania tomorrow at noon. It sounds like they wised up and they paid for a moving service. But I'm sure they still might welcome some extra hands. Uh, They're hoping to be out tomorrow around lunchtime. So if you haven't said your goodbyes yet, feel free to... Find the own ashes after church or give them a call today, tomorrow morning before they leave. Or just show up and say, hey, I've got two hands, two feet. I'm here to help or i got a pointer finger. I can point and tell you what to do, but you might not listen. Keep the Babbitt, uh, babbitts in prayer and the own ashes in prayer. And then lastly, one quick announcement is, as I mentioned during Lee's announcement, Lee is speaking at the Make a Difference Men's Retreat at Arrowhead Bible Camp. We'd love to have all of you men join us and join me and Chuck. We'll be there as well. That's coming up the last weekend of September, and we have a lot of fun with that. You can sign up at Arrowhead Bible Camp's website, but we also will be putting a sign-up sheet out in the Fireside Room. The purpose of that, though, is just so we know how many people are coming. You still need to sign up on the website or in person when you get there. And then one last comment about Lee We have the great blessing of Lee preaching for you guys up here, filling the pulpit next Sunday. You can be praying for that also. I'm sure he'll appreciate the prayers. But I will be in a group with roughly 14 individuals down in Chicago, Rockford, doing the Tough Mudder Run. So you can also keep us in prayer that we return safely. My knee's already hurting, and I haven't even began yet. So let's get to God's Word. We have spent... The last three weeks in John chapter 4 is we've been focusing on the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. And in this, we've seen Jesus give a great example of witnessing to a stranger. We've seen a great example of evangelism. Jesus went to a person who is nothing like himself. In fact, this Samaritan woman was somebody who anybody else would avoid for three reasons. I'm going to say right away three reasons. One, she was a Samaritan Jews did not like Samaritans. They avoided them at all costs. They would not go through Samaria. They would go the opposite way, around it, if at all possible. Secondly, she was a woman. And back in this time, and at this time, men did not talk to women in public. And then thirdly, she was a sinner. She was an outcast, which I won't recap all of this because you guys can listen back the past few weeks to those sermons, but... She was a sinner, a great outcast, to which is the very reason she was at this well at all and at midday instead of in the morning or at the night. Jesus, as he addressed this woman, he asked questions, probing questions, and made, made statements which were designed, divinely designed, especially designed to catch her attention and make her think about her life. It exposed her sinfulness, and then he revealed who he was. He was the Christ, the Messiah, the Messiah. The Savior of the world, many would come to know him as Lord that day, as Savior that day. All because Jesus went to a person that nobody else would go to, all because Jesus went to that sinner, that outcast, that woman, that Samaritan. We have great lessons, so many lessons right there, but we're going to move forward here. Jesus sent that lady into town, or she went into town and told all the townspeople to come, see this man. Could this be the Savior? Could this be the Christ? And while she was gone, Jesus talked to his disciples about the harvest, which was plentiful, which was white, which was ripe for harvest, which was ready. And we had this great lesson, these great applications about us. And about how the harvest is ready, and God wants harvesters. God wants you and me and all of us, brothers and sisters in Christ, to go out and speak to these people, proclaim the gospel, go and tell. Now, I hope you're getting close to finding John chapter 4 in your Bible. It's roughly page 835, or using your phones, because we are getting close. I do want to urge you, only use your phones for the Bible or note-taking. Please stay off other apps. Let's stay focused on God's word. But now where we find ourselves is Jesus and his disciples have stayed a couple days with the Samaritans, teaching and leading them in God's word and his law and his teachings and the gospel. And now they're moving forward. They're moving forward. They're resuming their travels. And I want to put some emphasis there on resuming their travels travels. Let's remember verses 1 to 3. You can read it with me. Follow along if you have your Bibles open in John 4. In verse 1 to 3, we read this. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. Notice, Samaria was simply a visit along the way. Now, it was a purpose visit. It was a divine visit. He was fulfilling God's will and plan to go there. He wasn't avoiding Samaria like so many others would. But still, is a visit along the way. So it only makes natural sense that now Jesus and his disciples, they're going to pick up where they started, and they're going to move forward to where their final destination truly was, Galilee. Jesus's plans, God's will, they awaited them in Galilee. So Jesus ends his time with the Samaritans so he could get to his real destination. Let's read, and I'll be taking lots of breaks to talk about what we're reading. Then afterwards, we'll have roughly five points and some more applications. But starting John 4, now 43 to 52, where we find ourselves at week 4 of John 4. Verse 43, follow along, after the two days, again the two days being in Samaria, he departed for Galilee. For Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. Now again, this makes more sense if you think back to the very beginning. Where was Jesus? Where has he been for the past couple of days? And where is he going? As we read that he had been in Judea and was Pretty much running away from that scene because the Pharisees have now taken their eyes off of John the Baptist and are now focusing on him. He wasn't welcomed in that area. He was welcomed by the Samaritans, as we see, and they wanted to hear his word. They loved his word. They loved hearing who he was and what he had to bring to their life. The promise is fulfilled through the word. But now he's moving on to Galilee, which we're going to see. They also were not welcoming him in for what he truly was, who he was, and what he had to bring. Reading on, we see that these people, they want miracles. They want entertainment. Remember, Jesus grew up in this area. They didn't want to to hear more of his words. They didn't respect him in the way he deserved. Verse 45, reading on now, says this. So when he, Jesus, came to Galilee... The Galileans, they welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, for they too had gone to the feast. Remember, this isn't the first time Jesus has been here. Jesus has been here before, and we read of him turning water into wine, the first sign of his greatness, of his true identity, of his divinity, of who he was What we're about to read is a second sign, the second major sign or miracle to display Christ's identity. Verse 46 says, So he came again, again, emphasis on again, to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And at Capernaum, there was an official, a nobleman, whose son was ill. This is a man of superiority. A man that despite his position in society and being possibly higher up, maybe more wealthy, was brought low to his knees because of an ill son. A son that he worried was on the verge of death. And this man came from Capernaum to Canaan and Galilee. Roughly 16 miles now to come and see Jesus. Brings about an application already. How far will we go? to find Jesus. How far will we go to serve Jesus, to follow Jesus? This man walked 16 miles to find Jesus. And what we see from the scripture today is he wasn't even a believer at this time. But he didn't come because of his faith. He came because he wanted the healings, the miracles, the display, the miraculous that Christ could bring. The same reason everybody else was there. And as we read on, we see this. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, He went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son. For he was at the point of death. Most commentators agree that this is no simple ask but a plea. In fact, we see this man continuing to plea with Jesus as Jesus here in a moment rebukes the crowd, rebukes this man for just coming to him for the miracles and not for the word, not trusting in his word. He pleads with Jesus pleads with them, begs with them, for his son's life. Isn't it a great joy that we don't have to walk 16 miles to find Christ? I mean, we're going to run eight miles next weekend. We hope to run at the Tough Mudder and do 30 obstacles, but it's not to find Christ. In fact, there will be signs held up reminding us that we paid for this. And we're going to pay in many ways, but praise God... Christ has already paid the price of our sins. We're just doing it to look like idiots or something like that. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Back to point. We do not have to walk to find Christ, but we do have to confess with our mouths that Christ is Lord. Repent of our sins. Turn away and accept that God has the better way to live, the right way to life, and accept the forgiveness that Christ brings to our life. Follow after him follow after him this man we see had little faith no faith or a misunderstanding of his faith he didn't even fully recognize christ's power he had heard of jesus's power he believed in jesus's power but he thought that jesus had to come and see his boy that's what he's pleading with as you will see. This exciting, this one, a very well-known scripture, but what we're gonna see is he thought Jesus had to come to his son. Please, I plead with you, come, come, heal my son. He's on the verge of death. It's interesting, Jesus, he's not so worried. Maybe you feel that way sometimes. You feel like, Jesus, why are you worried? I'm pleading with him, I'm pleading with you. Heal me, heal my brother. Help me here, help me with this job. Help me in my marriage, whatever it might be. And you feel like, God, you act like you're not taking this seriously. Maybe it's the fact that we're not taking it seriously enough to understand God's greatness. This man didn't need Christ to come. He just needed to trust in Christ's word. And that's what we're going to see. Jesus said to him, Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. Again, he's pleading with Jesus. Jesus, please, please come down before my child dies. Come. Even though he's being rebuked, even though the crowd is being rebu- rebuked by Jesus, condemned by Jesus, Jesus saying, unless you see the signs and wonders, you don't believe. Yet I'm here and I have a word for you. Either way, Jesus is going to bless this man and all others present with Christ's second sign, a great miracle, one to create a growing faith in this man. And this growing faith doesn't just grow in this man's life, it provides life and it grows in his entire household. Reading on, we see in verse 50 Jesus says to this man, Go, your son will live. Go. Your son will live. The man believed the words that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. As he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him, Yesterday, at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. And he himself believed And all his household. His faith is now complete. As it says, he himself believed in all his household. His faith is now complete, but not just his. His entire household now believes. And looking to this example, we see an application. And we see lots of applications in here. We'll get to these in a moment. But starting with this. Our faith in its truest and real form should be contagious. People should see and come to understand our faith and want to know our Lord through seeing our faith in him and his workings in and through us. We see this in the Samaritans, this new believer, that Samaritan woman, that sinful outcast. She comes to know Christ the Lord that day and she goes to the town and proclaims, could this be the Christ? And people came to know. In fact, it said many came to know him that day through her testimony, through her faith. No matter how new it was, they came to know him through her faith. And then many, many more from that town came to Jesus and came to know him personally, not because of her faith, but because of hearing him and seeing him and hearing the word come to life right in front of their very eyes. We also see this in this man's household. This man's newness of faith, his belief, his testimony, brought the entire household to come to know Christ. And now we have the final verse of chapter 4, which states, This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. Thank you for following along. Keep your Bibles open. We're going to be going back and forth here. But I want to first point out here that we started this series in John with this main theme, this main idea to believe and live. And in John 20, verse 31, we read, these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Do you notice the the similarities here in the scripture today? Do you notice that by believing in Christ, they live? They found life. By believing in the word of Christ, that man left. That man walked away by believing Christ's word saying, go, your son will live. And he turned away and this son, he did live. He received physical life. But that physical life also led to, to so much more spiritual life forever now hear me clearly god does not always choose to say go your son will live go your son will be healed he doesn't always go to say go on to say go your brother will be healed but we do know that christ does say to believe in him follow after him and have eternal life and never thirst again have The water which he can give, living water. And what a great promise that is, that despite the fact that we do die, despite the fact that we do have pains and we have burdens, we have struggles in this world due to sin creeping into this world more and more every day. And this started thousands of years ago with Adam and Eve. But God created a way to bring us a restoration of peace with the Father and salvation and hope and strength for every day to follow. Let's move forward. Through this section of scripture, we see a growing faith. And we see in this growing faith, the idea of believe and live. And we see this through five points here. A desperate plea or request, an honest answer, a growing faith, an authentic faith, and on a, a cont- contagious face, forgive me. We see this naturally happen throughout the scripture. A desperate plea. This man comes before Jesus with a desperate plea. And Jesus, he brings an honest answer to this man and to the crowd. And then we see through Jesus and in, in this man's life a growing faith. Then we see an authentic faith. And then a contagious face. Let's talk about these points, starting with a desperate plea. You see, this man walks 16 miles to see Jesus, 16 miles to ask Jesus to plead with Jesus to save his son. Which begs us to ask, and I've already asked it once, how far are we willing to go to see and plead with Jesus, to know Jesus, to hear Jesus' word? How far are we willing to go? metaphorically speaking because we know we're not like the other religions of the world that may say that once a year we need to travel here or there we need to do this we need to do that all we need to go is do is believe in jesus christ as lord confess that he is lord follow after him let me rephrase this one more time how far are we willing to go For Jesus, this man, he was coming to Jesus to save his son. I know some of you are already thinking, as I did, well, sure, I'm willing to go to the ends of the earth to save my children, to save my wife, to save my family, my marriage. But what about the everyday occurrences? What about everything else? How far are you willing to go to plead with Jesus, to talk with Jesus, to seek Jesus out, to study his word Which is an instruction for daily righteous living. Let me take that another way. And then I should get back to my notes. We talk about for salvation of our children. And that sure. How far would we go? We'd go to the ends of the earth to save our children. But how far do we really go to help our children to see Jesus? Because I know I could go further. And I'm guessing you guys can too. What are we willing to give up from daily life To help make sure that our kids are being brought up in God's word. What are we willing to do? This man walked 16 miles. And asked Jesus not simply once. But he continually asked Jesus to provide for this need. This man may be lacking in faith. But he does not lack in persistency. And I think we could be more persistent in our prayers. Which reminds me of a side note. Be persistent in prayer for Preemie Kuhn as she's having more testing done for her cancer, which she saw some numbers elevated and they're doing some more tests. So please keep that in prayer with persistency. Keep Dwayne Fossum and my brother Mike, others who are struggling with cancer or rehab from cancer or other diseases, illnesses. Be persistent in our prayers. How often we pray once and we think that's enough. Or how often we pray once We plead with God once, and then we don't immediately get the answer that we think we want or need. So we go off looking for our own solutions instead of continuing to look for God's solution. Continue to plead with him. Plead with him. Pray with him. And study his word. Look for his answers. Talk with brothers and sisters in Christ. Look for him to answer your prayers through them. And then when you think that maybe you're not receiving the answers due to you by God look around you to see if he might not just already have been answering it and you're just not paying attention because you're looking for your will instead of God's will. This man, he swallowed his pride. And we often need to swallow our pride as we persistently seek Christ. Let's move forward. Be persistent in our, please be persistent in your faith. Never give up. We should always be growing in our faith. We'll get that in a moment. Number two, an honest answer. We see Jesus give an honest answer to this man and possibly others surrounding him. He rebukes him. Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. This wasn't a good thing he was saying to them. He's rebuking them. I'm right here with the word. I am the true Christ, the Messiah. And yet all you care about is seeing more miracles, more signs, and then the official said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus is trying to make a point here. Authentic faith should not require signs and miracles. Authentic faith should not require signs and miracles. God often chooses to bless us greatly in this man. There's great miraculous events. But we can and should trust God through his word and promises daily. These people were gathering around Jesus because of what they had heard and seen he could do. They had welcomed him in, and the scriptures tell us this, but they welcomed him in for the wrong reasons. Or at least, there was a mixed group here. They welcomed Christ in, not for his word and who he was, who he is, what he could do in their lives, but what he could do for them that day, physically, in the temporary What do we welcome God into our lives for? Do we sometimes compartmentalize God? Say, we want you in this compartment of our life. We want you in this area, but we don't want you in all areas. We want to see his miracles in our life, but we don't want to live by abiding in his word, abiding in him daily. When do we welcome God in? This man also came to Christ, not for eternal life, but for physical life. And Jesus tells him an honest answer. That this isn't the only reason you should come and seek me out. But God does choose, Christ chooses to heal this man's son. Let's move forward. Through Jesus' words, the man's faith would begin to grow through this miraculous sign, this miracle. Let's move to number three, growing faith. We see a growing faith in this man as we read verse 50. Jesus said to him, Go. Household. It's in this, this section of scripture we see a growing faith. I think John MacArthur's commentary talks about it as a first degree of faith, a second degree of faith, a third degree of faith. And he speaks of the first degree of faith being the man seeking Christ at all, the second degree of faith, of this man listening to Christ's word and going at all. There comes a time when we we need to just go. Trust in Christ. Should go. That's, that was that second degree. And then the third degree now is this man fully believes after seeing Christ's workings in his life. We see him trusting Jesus's word, not simply actions. He no longer thinks Jesus must come for his son to be healed. He simply goes trusting in Christ's words. He goes. The man believed the word of Jesus and he went on his way. But we will see that the faith continues to grow. He had not yet completely believed in the Lord as Lord, but then something else happened. His household servants met him on the road, met him down and told him of his son's recovery. Can you imagine the scene? I was imagining this scene as I was thinking about his servants, his household coming down to him. I don't know exactly where on the road, but again, he traveled 16 miles to see Christ. And then the son is miraculously healed. He was on the verge of death. This man was pleading. He was desperate for Christ. And I just imagine these men running, running. Not like we're going to be running. We're going to be falling a lot. They're running, proclaiming. I I just wanted to imagine these men shouting and hollering, master, master, nobleman, whatever he's called, official, whatever they called him. Your son, he's alive. He's alive. He's alive. Put yourself in those shoes, parents, to heal. Hear that news that your son has been healed when you thought he was dead. And then I imagine that man. I mean, all we really see here is this little bit Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. And as he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. That's all we really see besides the fact that he started questioning, when did this happen? He wanted to connect the dots. Could it be? Was it really when Christ said, go, your son will live? And it was. But I think there was a moment in between. This isn't in scripture. I'm ad-libbing this. I want to be fully honest, but I did picture myself. And I picture him, he probably fell to his knees and wept and then exclaimed. There's a reason that his household believed because they saw the testimony, they saw the workings of Christ in his life, and they saw the workings of Christ in that boy's life. They saw the power of Christ, his divinity. This sign displays the divinity of Christ. It displays his omnipotence, his power, his omniscience, his all-knowing, his knowledge, and his omnipresence. His divinity is truly seen here that Christ did not need to go because with one word, this boy could be healed. And I just envision that those servants running towards him, this father being like, what is going on? Why are they running? Did my son die? Did he not This man hadn't yet come to fully believe. But those men, those servants, they proclaimed, he is alive. He is alive. I envision us with our growing faith. Our faith should always be growing, just like this man's faith, into an authentic faith. And even when it's an authentic faith, it should still be growing. And I ask ourselves, I ask myself, I ask you, Do we go and proclaim and exclaim the workings of Christ within our lives and the world today with such enthusiasm? I think we can do a lot more. And then I see myself and us in that other person, that man's place. When Christ works in our life, do we truly delight? Do we truly appreciate? Do we have authentic and courageous faith? The news of Jesus' workings leads to a total belief, a newness of life, not in just this man's life, but in his household's life. You see, Jesus uses lots of things. God uses lots of things to bring people to see the truth, to see that they're lost and to be found, to see the newness of life and the hope and the forgiveness that he might bring to one's life. God does not create all the afflictions, but he can surely use them. For his glory and for us, for his will. He may not create the problems of this world, but he can use them to bring new life and to bring glory to him. One pastor said, I agree with this fully, storms in life may either drive one further or closer to God. When a storm is developing, we must seek him out. Let me say that again if you're taking notes. Storms in life may either drive one further or closer to God. When a storm is developing, seek him out. Number four and five, we reach these final ones. I'm going to join these together as I I believe they can't be separated. Authentic faith and contagious faith. I could also say courageous faith. We must be courageous in our faith as we trust in God. Contagious faith. I believe that authentic faith is a contagious faith. Over and over again, that's what we see in God's word. We see that people came to faith and then their faith was contagious. We must have a contagious Christianity. Authentic faith is contagious within us as it grows and grows within us. But then it it also should be growing out of us and for others to see and experience. I wrote this down. Our faith in Christ is not something to be tightly held on the inside. Our faith must be held dear on the inside, but also worn and seen on the outside, waving for all to see Christ's workings in our life. Our God lives. Our God saves. Our God provides. Our God lives. Our God saves. Our God provides yesterday, today, and forevermore. Can you repeat that with me? Our God lives. Our God saves. Our God provides yesterday, today, and forevermore. We need to remind ourselves of this every day. As our faith continues to grow and continually every day, we slip back in a little bit more into sins into struggles, into lacking of faith. We need to remind ourselves that our God lives, our God saves, our God provides. As we continue to grow in our faith, may we also be proclaiming this, not just in the, on the inside, holding our faith dear, but may we on the outside be waving this for all to see our faith, that our God lives, our God saves, and our God provides. Let's the whole world hear it. let them see it in your face being shown through how you live. Not simply requiring and asking for miracles, signs, and wonders, but truly trusting and abiding in the word of God and living according to his ways. How many problems, how many afflictions, how many struggles do we cause upon ourselves? bring to ourselves Because we just want to see the, the fast fix instead of living in. In his word daily. We must live in believing in him and his word. Go and believe the words of God. Be contagious Christians with an ever growing authentic faith in Christ and the word. Back to the scripture though. This man heard the news of his son's recovery and he himself believed in all his household. This would indicate not simply his family, but possibly also any servants or any workers he had present as well. They too all came to believe in the Lord because of his testimony. Our faith should be contagious like this. People must see what Christ has done in our life and what he continues to do in and through us. Joshua 24 15 a very well-known verse I think characterizes this man's life well and hope and praise that characterizes my family's life and yours. Many people have it hung around their houses. And it simply says, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Do you? Will you? Will we praise his name forever? Will we serve him? Will we follow him? Will we read and obey his word and proclaim its truth to the lost and dying world? Will we shine forth a light in the darkness? Will we display the hope and faith that we have in and through faith alone in Jesus Christ as Lord? Will we join together and do these things? Because it's a together thing. God doesn't want us to be divided. He wants us to be united in his work for his glory. Authentic faith is an ever-growing faith and a faith which is contagious. I hope you remember that today. Authentic faith is an ever-growing faith, a faith which is contagious. Yes, there will be struggles. Yes, there will be aches. There will be pains. We will fall down. But by his grace, we will be picked up again and again and again and carried on into eternity by his side. When you trust in him as Lord. Go, believe in his word. That your households and anyone else who sees the faith you have in him, his workings that they too may believe and live. The closing verse, it states, this was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. And many came to believe through this sign, just like many came to believe through the Samaritan woman. But I also want to pray that many too will come to believe through seeing the sign that Christ has left in each one of our lives. We have a sign in our life of a newness of life, that we don't live... By this world anymore We don't live with a painful state of hopelessness But a glorious state of hopefulness I pray that our lives, our faith Would be an ever-growing faith An authentic An authentic sign to others Of the great and powerful Lord that we serve Many people proclaim God lives God saves God provides They proclaim it But their life lacks the show of it I pray that our life would show it. Abide in his word. Trust in his word. Go and do his word. As one pastor states of authentic faith, and we'll wrap up, authentic faith is more than spiritual curiosity about Jesus. Authentic faith is more than emotional feelings. Authentic faith is more than a single decision about or for him. Authentic faith is an actual commitment, an informed belief, a growing dependence, and trust in Jesus and his word. I pray that we would be ever growing in our faith, an authentic faith, and a total commitment type faith. And this faith, it starts again every morning. Each moment our feet hit the floor. In other words, faith requires actions, not just emotions, not just feelings. Not just thoughts. It requires all of it. We must have thoughts. We must have feelings. We must have actions with our faith. Faith goes to work and comes home again after. It goes to bed with us and it wakes up with us as well. Faith never leaves us, but it does continue to grow in us. And may it be contagious, authentic faith. Let's pray and we're closing one final song. Please join me in prayer. Lord, we thank you for the faith we have in Jesus Christ as Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you sent your one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die upon that cross that we might have life, not be condemned, but have hope of a future with you, a peace, a restoration for all our sinners, none are righteous, but through Christ we might be seen as righteous through his blood covering our sins. Lord, we thank you for your love since the beginning of creation, for designing a relationship with us. And Lord, we thank you that that relationship, that desire is still possible today through your son. Lord, we pray today. We pray for a growing faith. Where we struggle, Lord, we pray that we plead with you to help us. And may we look for your will, look for your work, look for your actions, but may we continue to just worship you every moment, seeking you out wherever you are. And abiding in Your Word every day, and in Your holy and powerful name we pray. And all God's people said, "Amen." Thank you. Let's stand and sing a mighty fortress.
1: Our God.
0: We can and will forever reign with him in his heaven when you trust in Jesus as Lord. Go and proclaim that to somebody, somebody today. Thank you for joining us.